You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual It doesn't just happen here. Uh, Savage Love listener in Finland, shout out to all the Savage Love listeners in Finland, sent me a link to a story about this dude who is the leader of a Christian revival movement, fundamentalist Christian revival movement in Finland. So that doesn't just happen here, like crazy batshit fundamentalist Christians and their revival movements. And this guy, Marku Koivisto, uh, is an ordained Lutheran minister and a conservative and a bit of a nutbag and a faith healer who healed his own lymphatic cancer and then he started healing other people and led this big Christian revival movement in Finland. And he has now been removed from his Christian revival movement, fired, sent packing for what they're calling crossing sexual boundaries. And the only article written about the controversy in English uh, but I'm assured by Google Translator and my friends in Finland, listeners in Finland, that he crossed sexual boundaries with male parishioners that he was hitting on. I love the way they said it in Google Translate, coming on to male parishioners. But no, he's just hitting on them. Maybe he came on one or two of them. Who knows? But they were sufficiently traumatized, these fundy Christians, that they needed counseling after their spiritual leader leapt on them. And I don't blame them. He'd been coming on to male members of the church during private therapy and counseling sessions. Let's take a minute there to picture him coming on to male members, which is probably not what happened, but what he wanted to happen. And uh, now he's out. Sent packing. So anti-gay fundamentalist right wing nutbag turns out to be secretly into cock and wants to sleep with the man in his church. Interesting uh, vinyl note. Marco Covisto. Once tried to raise a boy from the dead. And now we know what for. Your call's after this. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've been following it for a couple of years now. I'm a 23-year-old, and I've been dating my lovely boyfriend for about nine months now. The relationship started out as the best sex of my life, just get complimenting each other on, on every possible level. And now I'll be lucky if I get to have sex with him once every two weeks. If it were up to me, I'd have sex every day, multiple times a day, whatever. Um, I grew up in a very conservative Irish Catholic family, so now I'm making up for lost time. Um, my problem is I don't know how to communicate to him that my needs aren't being met. I know it's unreasonable to ask to have sex every day. He physically doesn't have a minimum to do that. And I know that part is unreasonable. But I'm tired of always having to... All right, all right. I'm just going gonna, gonna to cut you off right there before you get to how much in love with him you really are and how in love with you he is and how wonderful every other aspect of the relationship is and... Blah, blah, blah. I've talked – I get questions about this all the fucking time. Um, and a while ago, I wrote a Savage Love Letter of the Day where I just ran like three or four questions identical to yours. And I said that I would no longer tinker with the machinery of the mix-matched libido relationship. You know what you got to do. You got to settle 
or you gotta go, or he has to agree to allow you to fuck other people. Those are really the only options. There's no magic words that I can give you that are going to ramp up his libido and make you feel any better about being constantly rejected and your needs not being met in this relationship. You say you love him and that's wonderful and a lot of people are in love with people that they're not sexually compatible with and you're going to either have to ramp it back and masturbate a lot and accept that this is the way it's going to be because really there's no fairy dust out there and if there was a line on it, I would have it. There's no fairy dust out there that you can sprinkle on his dick that's going to make it go more than it goes now and there's probably no fairy dust that you can sprinkle on his head that's going to get him to sign off on an open relationship or you're fucking other people if that's what you need to do to stay with him and stay sane. So my advice to you if you are just 23 is to accept that this isn't the guy that you're going to be happy with sexually, that he's not close enough to the one for you to round up to one and to end it now rather than ending it a year from now after 12 more months of continual rejection and mortification and uh, like that. But folks who have this problem, I'm on the record saying I will no longer tinker with the machinery of the mixed match libido relationship. You know what you need to do. Hey, Dan. Got a question. I'm drunk. I do appreciate those calls, which is great. Um, I've talked to my wife. I want to try anal sex, and she's willing to be down to try it. Um, but she wants to be drunk first. Just want to know how you feel about that. We've talked about it soberly, and I just want your advice on this one. When I think of all the times I had drunken anal sex, I'm really in no position to tell your girlfriend that if that's the condition that she wants to be in, that she shouldn't be. You know, and I'm not with the you gotta be sober crowd when it comes to sex. Sometimes you gotta take those inhibitions and soak them in alcohol. You gotta pickle them a little bit. But that's the, that's the, the crucial thing. A little bit. You just gotta pickle them a little bit. She may have inhibitions around anal sex and perhaps a drink or two would help her loosen up figuratively and literally. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. And if drunken sex always led to sexual trauma or damage or regret or a trip to the emergency room, uh, we would all be damaged, regretful, trip to the emergency room constantly types. And very few of us are. There's a lot of drinking that goes on uh, before, during, and after sex. And I'm not with the demonizing uh, – what is a very useful tool for inhibited human beings? The, the trick is she can't be wasted. If she's wasted and you're doing something that is actually causing her physical pain, she may not realize it until it's way too late. You want just enough sauce to uh, disinhibit, not so much sauce that she disassociates from her anus, that, that still her butthole is still connected uh, by all those nerve endings uh, that travel up her spinal cord to her brain. Uh, and that she can call a halt if need be uh, before any serious damage should occur. Also, you know, just buttfucker to buttfucker, me to you. You don't want to have sex with people who are – anal sex with people who are completely wasted because it really ups the shit on your dick chances. The odds of some sort of disastrous anal alcohol slash diarrhea induced moment it just fucking skyrockets in addition to the person not being able to you know really read themselves physically and know whether they're in pain or not they may not know that they're about to shit all over you either 
And you really don't want that, do you? So one or two, but no more. And I would encourage you also, uh, as always, for nude anal buttfuckers, the first few times you guys engage in anal play, no penetration, none at all. Just anal stimulation, play, fingers, tongues, small toys, maybe, uh, but no dicks. And uh, give her a couple of orgasms while you're playing with her butt so that her butt is wired into her pleasure centers. And it's about her pleasure, too, and not just about you jamming at home. Hey, Dan. Uh, I would like to uh, ask you what your reaction is to the recent uh, scientific news in regards to bisexuality and men is. And I would, I would like you to talk about it on the podcast because uh, I've been trying to convince other people that I'm bisexual for years uh, and stuff like that. So please talk about it. Okay, so in 2005, there was a study at Northwestern University, authored in part by Michael Bailey, who's been really screwed over by Northwestern University. We're going to leave that alone for right now and hope he gets his gig back and his class back. Anyway, uh, there's a study that showed uh, where they measured, you know, you know, people's sexual response, and they wired up the genitals of straight women and bi women and straight guys and bi guys and gay guys, and they showed them all porn. And what they found in this study was that there were no bi guys in this study. That uh, bi-identified men that they were studying responded only to gay porn. So they concluded that bisexual-identified guys were liars, sort of. You know, I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing. So anyway, it was widely reported, uh, including in my column, this 2005 study. Well, lo and behold, there's a new study out that found that bisexual guys do actually exist. And I'm going to uh, read from this study. And before I read this paragraph, I just want to throw this out there that when I say this, this very thing in non-science speak, I get into big trouble. But here's what the, the authors of the study, the new study said. Some men who have had sexual experiences with both men and women identify as bisexual. However, there is a long history of skepticism about whether these men also have substantial sexual attraction toward both sexes. In part, this uncertainty exists because it is common – for self-identified homosexual men to have first identified as bisexual, despite later professing they were never genuinely attracted to women. Similarly, some bisexual men appear to have exclusively homosexual attractions, but identify as bisexual for reasons of perceived social acceptability. I am one of those self-identified homosexual men who once identified as bisexual in my teens, very briefly, and consequently, I feel a certain degree of skepticism unexpressed skepticism. I do not jump down the throat of teenage bisexuals, but I feel a certain degree of unexpressed skepticism when I meet a bi-identified teenage boy. And that makes me Gadolf Hitler, according to some bisexual activists. And when guys bitch about men who demonstrate exclusively homosexual attractions, but who nevertheless identify as bi because it makes them feel superior and or more masculine than gay men, even if the gay guys who bitch about those bi guys, bi identified guys, are careful not to cite these half closeted cases as evidence that there's no such thing as legit actual bisexual men, a lot of bisexual activists scream bloody murder. Because the failure to accept without question the professed sexual identities of all bi guys everywhere, even if this bi guy is still a kid and that bi guy doesn't seem to be interested in eating pussy ever, that's considered biphobic and bigoted. Now, that 2005 study that I mentioned, that really ramped up the skepticism for a few years there about the existence of male bisexuality. 
uh, because it found that in this study, they didn't find any actual male bisexuals. And here's the lovely thing about science. When science gets something wrong, more science can set it right. It turns out that previous studies of bi guys didn't control for what? For the folks we're not supposed to talk about. They didn't control for young and temporarily bi-identified guys or the gay and kidding themselves about being bi guys. I'm going back to the study. I'm going to read from the study a little more. Past research not finding bisexual genital arousal patterns among bisexual men may have been affected by recruitment techniques. For example, bisexual men in those studies needed only to identify as bisexual and to self-report bisexual attractions. Thus, the bisexual samples of previous studies may have been populated by men who had never or rarely behaved bisexually and perhaps identified as bisexual for reasons other than strong arousal to both sexes. Additionally, bisexual participants in past studies were partly or exclusively recruited from the gay community. For example, the bisexual sample of this study they cite was recruited from a university gay student union. Thus, past studies may have unintentionally oversampled bisexual identified men with homosexual arousal patterns. So they recruited for a new study and more than half of the bi-identified guys they recruited for this new study were turned away because – and I'm reading a little bit between the lines here – researchers didn't believe these guys – when they claim to be bisexual. Another little reading from the study. Another important difference between our study and past studies is that ours recruited bisexual men from a source likely to be frequented by men with bisexual erotic interests. Mostly Craigslist, uh, male-female couples seeking male partners. Despite our relatively stringent inclusion criteria, despite recruiting from only there, they excluded more than half of the bi men who approached them to participate in the study because they didn't believe them when they said that they we're by. So how's this for irony, kids? Once researchers controlled for the young and temporarily bi-identified and the gay and kidding themselves about being bi, once researchers refused to accept without question the professed sexual identities of the bi-identified men that they recruited, once researchers acted like biphobic bigots. Because remember, it's biphobic even to discuss these things or acknowledge that they exist. Bi-identified guys who aren't really bi, you're not allowed to say that. But once researchers acted like biphobic bigots, they were able to demonstrate that bisexual arousal patterns exist and thus bi guys exist. I'm just going to read the last few words of the conclusion. Some men have a bisexual orientation. The end. That's the end of their study. Science says... You can go online and search for Case Closed, Bisexual Men Exist, which is a blog post I wrote about this study and find a link to the PDF of the study. But I just find, you know, as somebody who's been attacked over and over again for pointing out that, you know, temporarily by young people like I was are a PR problem for bisexual community and also lying by guys are a PR problem for the bisexual community and that their existence, you know uh, – increases the skepticism. Anybody who's been with one of these lying bi guys isn't going to believe other guys who say they're bi necessarily. I'm accused of being biphobic. But but all the bisexual communities rightly celebrating this study, which overturns the 2005 study, and yet not acknowledging that it was only by doing what I've always said, what, you know, acknowledging what I said was the problem that they came up with these results. So I, I guess I'm doing a little victory dance here on the podcast. But... You know, I, I've never doubted that actually bi guys exist. I've had my dick sucked by actually bi guys. 
that I didn't doubt for an instant. You can find one of them and ask them if their mouths aren't full to tell you all about it. The final word, though, goes to the New York Times. Uh, I, I actually broke the story of this study a week before the New York Times wrote about it. And, and the New York Times, when they covered science discovers bisexual men exist, uh, their reporter, David Tuller, an excellent reporter, uh, overlooked my angle. The science proves bi guys exist by doing exactly what bi activists have condemned as biphobic, which I thought was legit. And he ran instead with the angle of there's just no pleasing some people. So basically, you know, a lot of bi people were butt sore about this previous study and along comes a new study that proves that they exist and here's a quote. It's great that they've come out with affirmation that bisexuality exists, uh, the bisexual activist they're quoting saying. Having said that, they're proving what we in the community already know and that's insulting. I think it's unfortunate that anyone doubts an individual who says this is what and who I am. Okay. So it was only by doubting individuals who said that this is what and who I am. They came up with this, the, the, the data that in this study that showed that bisexual men existed. And they welcome the results of this new study while condemning, again, researchers for doing exactly what had to be done to produce this data that exploded the previous day. My head is going to explode if I think about it for one more instant. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'll concede that anyone should doubt anyone who says this is what I am and who I am. And that must really suck and be very hurtful. I mean, think of how much Ted Haggard, Philip Hinkle, and Marcus Bachman have all suffered because people doubt who and what they say they are. But again, it was only after researchers dropped guys from the study that they didn't actually believe to be bi. It was only after they acted on those doubts that they were able to get this data. So I'd say doubt when it comes to professed sexual orientation is a double-edged sword. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hey, Dan, this is a 15-year-old guy. Um, my girlfriend and I just lost our virginities to each other uh, a few weeks ago. And let's see. It's still We've done it a few times now, and it still hurts for her. Uh, I don't know if it's something that I'm doing wrong or if it's something or if it's uh, just that she's sensitive. But uh, we'd like to know what we can do to make it hurt less for her and feel better for both of us. You're 15 years old. There's so very much you could be doing wrong. Uh, it's hard to uh, diagnose the problem from here. But just quickly, you know, what kind of birth control are you using? Are you using condoms? Are you using latex condoms? Some people have latex sensitivities and that may uh, be painful for your girlfriend. What kind of lube are you using if you're using lube or lubricated condoms? Like uh, our guest from Planned Parenthood mentioned last week or the week before – uh, check and see if there's nanoxinol 9 in the condoms that you're using if you're using them. It's a detergent and it can be an irritant. Also, you know, there could be a gynecological problem. Has, when's the last time your girlfriend, you know, went to the gynecologist and she needs to have everything checked out just to make sure everything's in working order? How much foreplay are you engaging in before you jam your dick in? How big is your dick? Um, these are all relevant questions that I'm not going to call a 15-year-old and ask as follow-up questions because I don't think you could answer them in front of your mom. Um, but you should think about them. I would also encourage you 
uh, if the sex is painful for her. If and when you say the sex is painful for her, what we mean is vaginal penetration at this time is painful for her. I would encourage you to ramp back on the vaginal penetration and get to know each other's bodies better. Engage in mutual masturbation. Is she having orgasms? Uh, clearly not when you're fucking her. If it's painful, that's going to be distracting. She's probably not having orgasms. Does she masturbate? Does she have orgasms alone? Can you learn to give her an orgasm? Is she stimulating herself during vaginal penetration? Are you playing with her clit? Is she playing with her clit? Does she have a vibrator? Get her a vibrator. Play with her clit. Get her to an, a place where she's having orgasms, where there's something in the sex for her too, and really learn what her arousal pattern looks like, which you can get a better idea of if your nose is down there and not your dick. Look at her vagina while she masturbates. Look at her vulva while she masturbates, while she plays with her clit, while she gets off, so that you can know what she looks like when she's aroused. And I hope this isn't going to blow your 15-year-old mind, but it helps if a woman's aroused. Uh, it helps her enjoyment of sex generally and her ability to tolerate penetration if there's still some uh, malingering pain from it being a new sensation. So really take your time. Get to know her. Uh, ask her to – you know, don't ask her. I hope she's listening too. But if she is, ask your mom to make an appointment at the gynecologist. You don't have to tell her that you're sexually active. Just tell her you have some things you need to talk about with the gynecologist. And if you're not on birth control, fucking get on birth control. And when you're at the gynecologist, say that you have some pain. You're, you're sexually active now with your first partner at 15. That's not rare. And your gynecologist will not be shocked by that news. And legally, your gynecologist cannot disclose that to your mother. And if uh, your gynecologist does, sue. Uh, and then see what your gynecologist says. You know, if you, if you completely check out and there are no physical problems, then it's performance related. And I would encourage you also to ramp it back uh, and learn how to enjoy uh, the physical sensations of pleasure, uh, of being touched, of being penetrated, maybe not by his dick for right now, maybe just by his fingers. So that's a lot to think about. But I'm uh, just giving you the buckshot scatter advice and hope that I uh, hit the bullseye. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 24-year-old living in Vancouver. I'm just moving in with my boyfriend of uh, seven months, and we're really happy. And we're moving in with my cousin and his girlfriend. And I'm wondering if we should choose to bring home a young man, what is the appropriate conversation to have with my roommates? And, or, or is that the kind of thing that it's easier to ask for forgiveness and permission? I'd say forgiveness, but it depends. You know, if your cousin and uh, other roommate are single and they're bringing strange people into the house, then it's kind of, I think, fair beans for you guys to bring a strange person into the house now and then. If, you know, they may not expect that of you because they'll presume you guys to be monogamous, but they'll be disabused of that presumption the first time you guys bring a young man home together. But if they're, you know, goody two-shoe types or they're dating each other and they're exclusive, then they have a reasonable expectation and that expectation is that they're not going to meet a stranger on the way to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Uh, so if they're a couple and they're exclusive and they're presuming that you guys as a couple are exclusive and they've invited you to come live with them uh, – Based on that entirely reasonable presumption, I think that's a reasonable presumption, you do need to obtain permission in advance. But if this isn't anything goes party house and they're both single and they sometimes bring uh, folks home, I think that you have the right to sometimes surprise them just as you will be surprised by the occasional stranger on the way to the can in the middle of the night. You have a right to surprise them uh, with the same. 
But if not, if that's not something they would ever do to you guys, you need to obtain permission in advance to do that to them. Uh, hi, Dan. I'm a 30-year-old straight male. Um, my, uh, my, my problem, well, I have numerous problems, but really it all stems from um, I, I have a mental disability, uh, like I'm anxiety, depression, et cetera, and um, a really poor history of success with uh, dating and the opposite sex and et cetera. Um, you know, the only girl I ever really dated, and this is about half my life ago, um, you know, eventually, shortly thereafter, went around telling everyone we both knew that she only did it because she felt sorry with me, sorry for me. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm constantly terrified that anybody might, uh, you know, things of this nature happening in the future. Um, I, I feel like I'm constantly, you know, I'm 30 years old. I still have the relationship and, and sexual skills of, of, of a high, young high school kid. And I'm, I feel like I'm falling further behind. I, I'm, I don't know how to catch up, you know. Um, I, I am disabled, which in turn means I'm poor. I have honestly a fairly bad body and overweight and hairy and et cetera. Um, bad body image and experience both sexually and with relationships, you know, total package. Um, I, I've only had vaginal sex once. Um, I didn't wish didn't get the, the orgasm. Um, had two, two, two or three other experiences with oral and manual stimulation. And it's, I, when I think about myself, I find myself getting real hung up on this 40-year-old virgin kind of thing. I know I'm only 30 and I'm not exactly a virgin, but it's, you know, we find amusing losers comical um, and my friends will every so often inadvertently confirm that they do feel this way about people like me by, you know, laughing about some other awkward loser in front of me. And I know present company accepted, of course, but, you know, I know how they really feel. Um, they're very stuck on, you know, be your, being yourself versus being confident. I don't feel like I can do both of those at the same time. Poor, disabled, overweight, hairy, bad body image. I hear you. Also, I hear you sounding pretty articulate, direct, personable. You seem self-aware. So whatever your disability is, obviously it's not, uh, you know, some sort of emotional disability that you can't uh, speak and speak well about where you're at in your life and your condition. And you're not the only one in your condition. You're not the only disabled, uh, relatively sexually inexperienced person out there um, who experiences anxiety and depression. There are women out there who are in your shoes. When you say, you know, you get, you know, it's about appearing confident and competing. It sounds like when you imagine being out there in the dating world, you're picturing yourself you know, in the cliche kind of singles bar where it's a competition and everyone's acting like a dumb fucking monkey in shoes. And that may not be the arena in which you can compete. And it's not the only arena uh, where it's possible for you to find companionship. You're not in a position uh, in the sexual marketplace 
to wind up with a supermodel. You may have to adjust your expectations. Some people I know who, uh, you know, are who I have known who are in your state are very upset about being lonely and yet unwilling to look at other people uh, who are similarly situated. They're out there. I hear from them. I hear from women who are lonely, sexually inexperienced, have bad body images, feel that they are objectively unattractive, uh, all of which is subjective. You know, if uh, being large and hairy were uh, something that made somebody, you know, a person that no one could conceivably be sexually interested in, the Savage family would have died out generations ago uh, because big and hairy is what uh, my genes do best, uh, even if uh, I've battled them to a stalemate myself. So you know, I, but I don't want to feel. I don't want to be one of those douchebags who fill folks who are in a bad place uh, with false hope. There ain't somebody out there for everyone. Some people do wind up alone. The only thing that you can do, single or not, is as I've said before, build a life for yourself that you enjoy with whatever tools you have at hand to find the joy, uh, find the pleasures uh, that are within your reach. And then to do those things and then see, you know, what fate throws in your path. See who comes along. I would encourage you, you know, most internet dating sites are free or cheap to put it out there. Put out who you are and, you know, what you're looking for. Uh, and if you say, you know, this is who I am, you know, and this is, you know, I'm disabled. I'm on disability. Uh, I'm poor. I'm lonely. I'm out of shape. Uh, you're not going to get the supermodels, but you may find another woman who emotionally is secure enough to respond to that ad, who can provide you with companionship that you lack, who also feels insecure about how sexually inexperienced she is at 30 or 35 or 40 and would feel more comfortable, you know, exploring that part of herself with somebody where she is not going to feel necessarily judged. Uh, for what she lacks and what she hasn't done. I wish there was something more comforting I, I could tell you. You know, I wish I had that fairy dust, but I don't. So I don't want to tell you, you know, I'm going to wrap this up. I don't want to tell you that there are, you know, there's a woman out there for you, but there are women out there like you. If she's not holding out for Brad Pitt and you're not holding out for Kim Kardashian or one of the lesser Kardashians, uh, you guys may be able to be there for each other. And while it doesn't sound like you could provide for someone materially, it sure sounds like just from that call that you could provide for someone emotionally. That's something that a lot of people don't have. And it's something that you have to offer. Hey, Dan. My name is Jimmy, 23-year-old straight male living in Podunkville, North Idaho. And it sucks. But I'm kind of committed here for a year. Anyway, I think I've entered this weird phase where, for some reason, in the last few months, I've only been attracted to, like, older women, like, late 30s, early 40s. And that's very new to me. And uh, I have no idea how to woo them, how to seduce them, how to bring them to me. So I was wondering some advice. Uh, if you have general tips for what um, cougars might be looking for, because I have no idea how to start where to begin. All I know is that for the last few months, that's all I've been interested in. So if you can give me some tips, helpful advices, I mean, should I act vulnerable and weak? Maybe should I go into the kill? 
that the Cougars remind me of, or should I act kind of like fun and youthful, like something that they're missing in their lives? That's, that's kind of where I'm at. So uh, any tips would be greatly appreciated. I mean, the whole idea behind cougars is that they're the predators and you're the prey. So you don't have to, like, go out and catch a cougar. You just need to be a dumb bunny that doesn't bolt when the cougar comes a-charging. Uh, that's the theory, at least. You know, uh, there's been a lot written and said about the cougar phenomenon, including uh, some folks saying it was a myth and it never happened. But, you know, I've seen middle-aged, divorced, uh, blingy ladies uh, in great shape with personal trainers, um, leap on uh, waiters and bartenders in trendy spots. So I think it's actually true, um, you know. But if there aren't those kinds of women uh, where you are, I can't. It's the fairy dust show. I can't sprinkle some magic fairy dust and make the cougars magically appear. Uh, I think all you have to do when you're 23, if you want to attract the attentions of one of those women, what they're interested in kind of are boys, much younger men who, you know, can provide them with what their wealthy ex-husbands couldn't provide them with, like a firm butt and perhaps some abs. And indifference, I think, is appealing to a lot of these women that, you know, you're stepping outside your, uh, you know, natural mating inclinations that you may want to be with a younger woman uh, to date and perhaps uh, shack up with, but you're willing to go with her because even though she's, you know, 38, 42 and has two kids, she's in such amazing shape that you're willing to, uh, happy to, excited uh, to be with her. And there's, you know, power play going on behind the scenes around, uh, you know, wealth and experience and income and desire and all that fuels it. But you can't manufacture that. You're going to be the kind of guy who's going to attract the attention of a woman like that if she crosses your path, or you're not, and I can't uh, make it happen. But you just got to put yourself out there. If you, you say you live in Idaho, get thee to a ski resort. The, the snow season is coming up. I understand from some of my friends that if you're uh, looking to be leapt on by one of these women, you are likely to find them in a bar near a snow resort, maybe while their husbands are off skiing. Uh, hi, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old uh, female. Since about the age of eight, yes, definitely eight, um, I've been able to have orgasm through auditory stimuli only. Like, no touching, no specific interest or sexual interest, just certain types of voices actually get me to orgasm. It makes school, new classes, jobs, job interviews, phone calls, really, really interesting. And I was wondering if you had ever heard of that. Um, I did some research myself but couldn't find anything. I know it sounds really obscure, but I assure you I'm not making this up. Um, and I've never been able to pinpoint it. I've told a few friends, and they're all exceedingly jealous. So at times it's not as great as it sounds. It can be awkward and uncomfortable and other times it's really frustrating when somebody starts talking and starts to turn me on and I end the conversation. So, but okay, I'm going to stop rambling. Um, again, huge fan, and I just wanted to know if you had ever heard of anything like that. I don't know what to say to you, and I'm afraid to say anything lest I induce an orgasm accidentally, and that would seem to be somehow non-consensual sexual activity, just crawling into your ear canal and just fucking the shit out of your ears and, and making you come. I haven't heard of this. Uh, I am sure that someone listening to this perhaps has heard of this. And I would encourage those folks to give us a call 
uh, 206-201-2720. If you've heard of this thing uh, that I suppose I could Google myself, but I'm going to trust you when you say you've Googled the shit out of it and haven't found anything. So I'm just going to float this out there to the hyper-educated Savage Love cast listening audience and see what they come up with. Hi, Dan. I just wanted to comment on episode 253. My heart kind of went out to the woman who suffered from ulcerative colitis and no longer has a rectum. Uh, I just want to let her know things get better. Uh, I have a my partner of Oh, 20 years now, he had the same ulcerative colitis problem when we met, and through a series of surgeries, he lost his entire large intestine also, but uh, that's okay. Uh, There are other ways of making love for sure. Uh, I would suggest uh, oral, work on that oral. Uh, I'm very happy with our lovemaking, and sometimes you just have to be a little bit more creative. So uh, there is somebody out there for you. I know I've been happy in my relationship, and you'll meet the right person, too, someday. Hey, Dan. Uh, This is regarding the caller from this week who was uh, apparently getting high on the scent of his partner's butt. I think there's a mundane explanation here. It's pretty easy to get yourself high through hyperventilative breathing, and if you're already in an aerobically excited state um, by performing a taboo act like rimming a Republican elected official, and you took a series of four or five rapid deep breaths through the nose, you'd probably give yourself a good head rush. So I think that that's probably what's going on. Hi, I'm calling in response to the 21-year-old queer female who had some trouble coming out to her friends. Now, I'm from Europe here, and I'm looking at the perspective from Europe, and I see that in America, religion can have a very, very strong hold on some people. And this friend of yours might even have discarded her own brother, family, whatever, in in favor of her religion and instead of feeling bad for yourself I actually think you should turn around and start feeling pity on her because uh, unfortunately religion can be a bit tough on certain people and if if she is really that narrow-minded even though you've been friends for six years she's not really worth your time possibly not even your pity to be honest now I am a 20-year-old hetero male, and I have quite a few homosexual friends. And we'll hang out, we'll watch movies, we'll hug, and we'll do whatever. We'll get drunk together and do silly things, nothing sexual, mind. But we'll do the same as any, well, hetero guys would do, basically. And yes, when he hugs me, there is possibly the possibility that he might find a little dirty thought spark within him. But because we are friends and have a mutual trust and understanding, he reigns in those instincts and does not act upon them. The same as when I'm out with my female friends. I might have once or twice gotten a bit too close to one of my really close female friends and thought, oh, hello there, and just basically stopped myself because we're friends, we trust each other. Now, if your friend of six years cannot believe that even though you have never acted anything on those instincts that you might even, you say you didn't get, but you might even have got after hugging her, well, if she doesn't trust you more for that, then she's really not worth keeping, and I think you should just hang in there, cheer up, and go on out and come on out to the rest of your friends, because I'm sure that loads of them will, will hug you and be happy for you, and just you'll, you'll feel a lot better. I really wish you the very best of luck, and uh, have a great day. All right, we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the Savage Love Cast. If you'd like to ask a question or leave a comment for a future show, please give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. And we welcome everybody's feedback about the podcast, but we can't, unfortunately, play everyone's feedback on the air. If there's something you've got to get off your chest, 
go to thestranger.com slash lovecast, where there's a comment thread attached to every single show. And I dive in there whenever I can and read your comments. So don't think we're not paying attention, because we is. 206-201-2720, that's the number here at the Lovecast. Give us a call. Me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth will be back at you next week another installment. Thanks for downloading.